Hello guys, gals, and non-binary pals. I'm your host, Rowan, and welcome to Queerly There. First of all, thank you so much for the amazing feedback on the first episode. It's so great to hear that you enjoyed it. I took to Twitter and asked what you guys would like to hear from me in the next episode, and the answer was, overwhelmingly, do an episode about Steven Universe. So without much further ado, here's why representation rocks. Today's episode will contain spoilers for the entire series, so if you're not up to date yet, maybe save this episode for another day. Or, listen anyway, I'm not the boss of you. Now, I know I'm getting a bit of a reputation as the most critical queer, but I've got nothing but love for this show. Steven Universe, in my opinion, is representation done right. Of course, it'll never be the perfect pinnacle or paragon of portrayal, but as important as it is to discuss representation we're salty about, it's also important to give kudos where kudos is due. I've always held that if your creative team is diverse, the diversity in your creation will be far more authentic. Showrunner Rebecca Sugar is bisexual, and several of the voice actors are people of colour. So not only do you get to watch what is undoubtedly a queer piece of media, you get to support actual diverse creators whose experiences likely inform what you see. Mind blown. For those of you still listening that have no idea what the show is about, here's a quick rundown. Steven Universe is a children's cartoon about a young boy, Steven, struggling to master his superpowers and protect the Earth from invading aliens. This seems a pretty standard premise for a children's cartoon about a young boy, but as the show continues, it deconstructs a lot of the tropes usually present in the typical chosen one saves the world by fighting a lot and becoming a man narrative. Steven's mentors are three feminine non-binary gemstone-based aliens called the Crystal Gems. Their names are Garnet, Amethyst and Pearl. The Crystal Gems are sworn to protect the Earth from the invading forces coming from their home planet. Initially, they were led by Steven's mother, who, being a non-binary alien space rock herself, gave up her physical form to bring Steven into the world. Stephen is left trying to cope with his family's grief at the loss of Rose Quartz and the absence of her leadership. This unconventional family are Stephen's role models and mentors. He learns mastery of his powers and fighting skills from them. And while their alien race has a different concept of gender from humans, these three are clearly coded as women. As for Stephen's male role models, his father, Greg Universe, initially seems like a deadbeat dad, but he proves himself to be a gentle, sensitive, and caring soul. Gendered expectations about who teaches emotional sensitivity and fighting prowess are flipped. So Greg is the one who frequently teaches Stephen about communication, compassion, understanding, and kindness, whereas the Crystal Gems are the ones who teach him about fighting and protecting others. Now, of course, the show's a bit more complicated than that. Um, this is kind of a summary of what you find out in the first episode. Obviously, the characters are more nuanced. There are times when Garnet or, or Pearl or Amethyst will be the ones that teach Stephen about communication and kindness through their actions. 
frequently it's Stephen who brings that much needed um, compassion and understanding to the team. It's it's kind of his role is to teach the Crystal Gems that things aren't always what they seem and he always looks for the best in people. If you didn't pay attention to my initial spoiler warning, here's another one. I'm about to go through and discuss examples from individual episodes. So unlike most chosen young boys, Stephen discovers that his superpowers are primarily defensive. He can summon a shield and heal people with his saliva. <laughs> he can literally kiss it better. Much, 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 much later, we discover that his tears of compassion also have healing powers. He wears pink, he cries unashamedly, and he persuades the crystal gems to try and save monsters instead of fighting them. His primary goals are de-escalation, communication, and friendship. Not exactly the typical skills you expect of a young boy, and I think that's part of what makes the show so fantastic, is that it offers a different perspective on the way a young man can be a young man and the way that he can contribute to his team in saving the world. One of my absolute favourite episodes of all time, Sadie's song. Stephen tries to convince his friend Sadie to perform on stage and he provides the outfit and choreography for her. When she gets scared and doesn't want to perform, instead of pushing her, he realises that it was always him who wanted to perform, not her. So, wearing Sadie's very feminine costume, a crop top, skirt, heels, ruffles, makeup and sparkles, Stephen reveals himself as the secret talent show star and performs. The audience is very supportive, and some even note that they suspected Stephen would be the secret talent all along. The song itself Haven't you noticed I'm a star? contains lyrics associated with femininity, such as stepping out of my hot pink limousine. In summation, he's singing about having lots of friends and enjoying people paying attention to him. The audience applauds and celebrates his fearless and joyful self-expression. Stephen wearing this costume, singing this song, isn't played as a joke. It's treated as normal. This is so at odds with the traditional portrayal of masculinity. Stephen's character is a refreshing counterpoint to the toxic messages about how boys can't cry or boys must fight. And honestly, this episode made me cry. It's so rare to see a boy be allowed to be soft and gentle and love this kind of attention where you're on stage and sparkly and you get to wear a skirt. So many young queer children, I think, would be able to identify with this. This authenticity of self where it's not actually a bad thing and people celebrate that you're enjoying being you and what you're doing and it doesn't matter if the things you enjoy are traditionally associated with a gender that is different from the one you were assigned at birth. And uh, in the audience there's also a couple of queer mums, which is not very overt, um, blink and you'll miss it kind of thing, but I do appreciate that it's normalised that there are actually lesbian couples just hanging around Beach City having a good time. So I've talked a bit about gender roles and how Steven Universe kind of presents a foil for the traditional tropes that we're used to. But of course, how could I do an episode about queerness in Steven Universe without talking about another superpower that all the gems have? Fusion. So fusion is a dance between two gems where they become a giant woman. 
Now, this was weaponized by the homeworld gems, but for the crystal gems, it's an act of love, trust, consent, cooperation, and mindful communication in relationships. It isn't just for fighting. For permanently fused gems, ruby and sapphire, it's an expression of their love for each other. In rare times when they aren't fused, it's made clear that the two have a romantic relationship. They flirt with each other, and it's even described as flirting in the show in the episode Hit the Diamond. The pair openly kiss, and their fusion, Garnet, is described as being already in a relationship. This is contrasted with weaponized fusion to show the importance of consent as well. A non-consensual fusion, Malachite, is shown as an abusive, unhealthy relationship. Fusion is a really fantastic metaphor for queer relationships. It's not strictly limited to romantic ones, but it is a very important message about communication and love. And I think in particular with Ruby and Sapphire, Sapphire is shown as being higher up in the gem hierarchy. She's almost like a sort of gem nobility and her society kicks her out when she accidentally fuses with Ruby for the first time. And that's a narrative that can kind of resonate, I think, with a lot of queer people, um, the loss of social status because of who you love. And there are other types of fusions in the show as well. They're all shown to be about communication and relationships when it's the crystal gems. See, it's forbidden on Homeworld for gems of different types to fuse. The idea being that if two gems of the same kind fuse, they just become a bigger version of themselves. But we even find out that there's a bit more to it than that. Some of the Homeworld gems do actually love each other. So we discover in one of the more recent episodes that the two topazes that fuse actually do have strong feelings for each other. And this love for each other kind of encourages them to um, not always listen to orders, which I think is great. Like, queer love is anarchy is kind of an undercurrent to this show, and I think that that's just fantastic. And of course, I can't really talk about fusions without talking about the fusion between Stephen and his friend Connie. So Connie is a fantastic character. Stephen really admires her from the get-go. She's, she's bookish and passionate and really brave and daring. And she's got this really protective streak for Stephen, which is just fantastic. And these two care so much about each other. So at one point when they really enjoy dancing together, they fuse accidentally and become the non-binary Stevani, who uses they pronouns. Garnet, as you can imagine, is absolutely thrilled. And this episode is all about how much they enjoy being together, which I think is just, oh, <laughs> I could gush about this forever, honestly. But I think you get the picture. Fusion, hella gay. <laughs> This show is rife with little subversions of our current dominant social hegemony. A few examples. Sadie is drawn with hairy legs in Island Adventure, and this shouldn't be a big deal, but it's totally a big deal. Women aren't really allowed to have hairy legs publicly. You know, it's kind of a shame, shame thing, but... I don't know, just a little moment like that, like, oh, she's on an island. Obviously, she doesn't get a hold of a razor. It, it normalizes women's bodies. And it's sort of just a little, just a little critique of gender roles, which I like. 
Another one of my favorite small moments where you can see this kind of subversion is in Super Watermelon Island. We see a more femininely dressed anthropomorphic watermelon. She's wearing a lei and a grass skirt. She goes off to war while her more masculinely attired husband, or spouse I suppose, <laughs> is wearing a blue tie, stays at home to look after their precious melon child. So again, we see an example of women being allowed to be the ones to go off and fight, while men are allowed to be the caring, nurturing ones. And of course, I can't let this episode end without discussing Pearl. We discover through flashbacks that Pearl was in love with Stephen's mother. In the episode Mr. Greg, her and Stephen's dad discuss their complex relationship and both of their feelings of loss at their dead paramour. Pearl is a really interesting one because she's shown often as being quite jealous and early in the series it sort of seemed that her love for Rose was very unrequited. Now showrunner Rebecca Sugar has said that that's not all there is to the story and honestly I can believe that because everything we see with Pearl sort of indicates that her relationship with Rose was a bit more complicated than simply her pining. But it's another great example of queer love. It's very different from Ruby and Sapphire. Ruby and Sapphire are kind of this perfect, these two made whole by being with each other, and they enjoy being with each other so much. And that's perfect and great and fantastic. Pearl shows a different side. Pearl is frustrated and sad and she gets jealous and angry and sometimes she doesn't think very much of herself she doesn't believe in herself she just wants to be part of a good relationship but she doesn't know how to get to that point especially now that the one person that she really wanted to be in a relationship like that with is gone i think a lot of us can probably relate to pearl at some point i'm hoping that in future we can continue along pearl's arc of self-love and really really see her develop more because i think while we can all relate to the salt and the thirst i would really love to see pearl come into her own some more she's such a badass and oh she's so fantastic and of course i'd love to see more of the mystery girl so in case you missed that episode, the mystery girl is a pink-haired goddess who Pearl meets at a party and actually gets her phone number. Dang, Pearl, you have serious game. <laughs> the other characters treat this as a completely ordinary event, which is just so good. They're really supportive and, oh, that's just... It shouldn't be so surprising to see, but it is. And, oh, Steven Universe just makes me cry sometimes thinking about how much I would have wanted to see this show as a child and you know what it would have meant to me back then to know that you can love women and that's fine and maybe they don't always love you back or maybe circumstances happen where you don't wind up getting together but that's okay because you can still be really really gay and just to be taught about healthy communication in relationships with such relatable examples and know that if your society kicks you out, it's okay because there will be this group of found family who will love you anyway. It just, oh, oh, <laughs> it's so great. And space is really gay. And that's an important lesson. So I'm sure there's a ton of stuff that I haven't actually 
talked about yet, feel free to tweet me with examples that I've missed. Ultimately, what we have here is a children's show with themes around queer relationships, friendship, and communication. It shows diverse body types and races positively, and it shows that villains can be redeemed. It has looser conceptions of gender roles, unconventional family units, and depicts the power of emotion and compassion. Steven Universe offers a foil for examples of toxic masculinity found throughout pop culture. Feminist and queer themes are built into the fabric of this show, and whether that was the intention of the creators or simply a byproduct of the show being informed by their lived experiences, we can see how we've got a piece of media that's quite different from what we're used to. By having a lot of queer characters and having a lot of female-coded characters in the show, we can see that these characters don't have to be paragons of womanhood or queerness. They're allowed to be flawed. They're allowed to make mistakes. And you can only get that if you have a lot of that type of character in a show. It's great because even the villains, some are more masculine butch women and some are more feminine The heroes, some are more masculine, some are more feminine. You know, no one's put into a box. And the show doesn't shy away from depictions of death, but it does it in a respectful way, showing gravity and acknowledging complex feelings. So even though Rose Quartz, who is pretty queer given her evidence of past relationships, even her death, it it has meaning and weight in a way that means I don't mind that it's another queer character that's dead. It manages to avoid the usual sensationalist trauma porn of most queer deaths by focusing on feelings and how different people cope and communication. Another great thing about Steven Universe is that it doesn't limit the number of people that can be in a romantic relationship. It's not explicit so far, but you can see that multiple gems can fuse, and we already know that fusion's such a great way to explore a relationship between characters. And the other thing is... uh, (laughs) It's probably never going to be explicit, but I always feel like the cool kids are um, in a polyamorous relationship. I just love the idea that all of these really cynical teens are dating each other. (laughs) Well, that's it for today's episode. Don't forget to tune in next time and follow us on Twitter at Queerly There. You can also follow Not Safe For Work podcasts on Twitter at NSFW Podcasts. Thanks so much to Saf and the team at Not Safe for Work Podcasts. Head on over to notsafeforwork.com to listen to some of the other fantastic podcasts we have available. You can also sign up for our mailing list and please follow some of the other podcasts on Twitter. They are truly great. You don't want to miss out. Thanks to my awesome buddy Danny for writing the theme song. That's at D-A-N-I-Y-O-U-R-U-K-O-V-A on Twitter. And thanks again to my friend Bo, who has done our marvellous cover art. Go check out Bo Moore, that's B-O-M-O-O-R-E dot net for more fantastic art from them. And thank you so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Now, I know I'm getting a reputation as the most critical queer, but I've got nothing but love for this show. Steven Universe, in my opinion, is representation done right. Of course, it'll never be the perfect pinnacle or paragon of portrayal, but it is important to discuss represent... I knew I'd hate this paragraph when I wrote it. (laughs) 